Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At the UPS store, we want to make this summer the summer of shipping. Summer Shipalooza. So you can start crossing items off your must-ship list. Like the vintage film camera your college kid needs for class. Or the vase you told your mom you would send her ages ago. And with our pack and ship guarantee, your items arrive safe or we reimburse you. So stop by your local store today for everything you need to be unstoppable. Visit the upsstore.com slash guarantee for full details. Available at participating locations. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. CeraVe Facial Moisturizers with SPF protect skin against damaging UV rays and continuously deliver three essential ceramides to help restore skin's protective barrier so it can lock in moisture. Non-greasy, fragrance-free, and won't clog pores? With CeraVe, skin feels hydrated and looks healthy all day. CeraVe Facial Moisturizers with SPF from the number one dermatologist-recommended facial moisturizer brand. Hello and welcome to the BBC Good Food Podcast with me, Tracy Ray. Do celebrities know something we don't about weight loss? Is there such a thing as the perfect weight loss diet? This week, we're discussing popular weight loss diets, what they involve, and our expert opinions on the pros and cons of each. You absolutely loved our conversation on weight loss in our January podcast series. And so, back by popular demand, is Emma White, Senior Nutritionist at NutriCheck, the top-rated food diary app and website. Emma has worked as a nutritionist for eight years with a special focus on weight loss, most specifically what it actually takes on a practical level to achieve and maintain weight loss long term. She's guided and advised thousands of people over the years towards successful weight loss in a way that works for them. This is part two of our two-part weight loss episode. Hi, Emma. Welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Tracy. Thanks for having me. So lovely to have you again. So we've just been speaking about some of the common weight loss myths, um, which if anyone who's listening hasn't listened to yet was released last week. So you can go back and uh, listen to that. Um, But today I really want to talk about popular weight loss diets because there are a ton of weight loss diets advertised to us these days. Many of which can come across as seemingly magical in how they deliver results. So today with two nutritionists in the room, um, I really wanted to go through the pros and cons of some of the most spoken about weight loss approaches today and share our true thoughts. Sounds great. Jump in. (laughs) Amazing. Um, So let's 
dive in. High protein diet, low carb. So we're thinking things like Atkins, Dukan, that kind of thing. What is it? Is it good? Is it bad? Should I be doing this for weight loss? Tell me all the deets. Okay. So in terms of what it is, kind of what it says on the tin, so um, this would be a diet that's higher in protein and lower in carbs than our sort of standard diets. Um, There's quite a lot of variation with these types. So you could have something like Atkins, Keto, Dukan. They um, are all slightly different in what they might recommend as the carb level to have or protein, for example. Sometimes they're more focused on being low carb and you might be higher in fat and protein or or we can just follow a higher protein and lower carb, just sort of that actual diet doesn't really have a name. Um, (laughs) So um, there's quite a broad range, um, but it's just about eating a bit more protein and a little less carbs than you might do normally. So that's sort of the description of the diet in a nutshell. So to jump into the pros, a high protein diet has been shown to be quite effective for weight loss because protein is a very filling nutrient. So if we eat a bit more protein, we find that we are fuller for longer, might not sort of reach for a snack um, as often. The other thing is that protein, it's takes our body more energy to break down protein than any of the other nutrients. Um, So actually eating more protein can mean that there's a higher thermic effect of food, essentially, so we burn more calories digesting that food. So if you are trying to lose weight, that that can be a helpful sort of approach. On the low-carb front, eating fewer carbs uh, might mean that you're less likely to grab a chocolate bar as a mid-afternoon snack if you get hungry because you know that you're trying to limit your carbs so you might go for a different choice so it could help with sort of um, balancing those sort of choices and lower carb diets you you can see sort of faster initial weight loss in some cases um, and um, it can be an effective sort of weight loss tool. Um, it's not to say other other approaches aren't as effective in the long run, um, but it has been shown to be associated with some, some weight loss, um, higher protein, lower carb. So that's the good stuff. <laughs> but, Take um, me to the bad stuff. <laughs> if we jump on there... There are some cons with most things, but I think in the case of this one, it kind of depends on the extremes that you're going to. So if we're talking very, very low carb, that they have been shown to be fairly unsustainable. I mean, I'm sure most of us have come across someone who's tried tried one of these very low carb diets, but have you seen them remain on it for years? Probably, probably not. Um, I personally have never met anybody who lives their life that way because it is kind of hard to manage. Um, you know, carbs are a source of energy. They are our brain's prefer- preferred source of fuel. Um, so we can feel a little bit sort of fatigued, lacking in concentration, things like that if we really cut down carbs. Um, so it can be a hard one to stick to. Um, you can find that you adapt over time, but even so, in the world that we live in, carbs are just readily available and it's easy to for the carbs to find you, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and also, um, with low-carb diets, you can end up missing out on all-important fibre. Um, you know, carb foods are where we find the fibre in our diet. So if you're cutting them way down, then you're probably not going to be getting enough fibre in your diet, which um, we know is not a good thing. Fibre is very, very good for us, very important for our gut. So that's a bit of a downside and the other on the other side of it a very very high protein 
really depends on the choices that you're making. So I think we probably all saw back in the day when Atkins was all the rage that the almost poster picture for that diet was bacon and eggs probably. And I don't think that anybody should really choose to eat loads of bacon every single day. Um, It's a processed meat that's quite high in saturated fat and salt and things like that. So um, it's not necessarily the best choice. So I think if you're doing high protein, it's making sure that you're making the right choices there as well and getting that balance um, in. So, yeah, there are some things to consider. Definitely. So another diet that often comes up in the context of weight loss is the low glycemic index diet um, or the low GI diet. So essentially the glycemic index um, or GI is a measurement system that ranks foods according to their effect on your blood sugar levels. So the rates at which different foods raise blood sugar levels are ranked in comparison with the absorption of 50 grams of pure glucose, so pure sugar essentially. So therefore, pure glucose is used as the reference food and has a high GI value of 100. So that's kind of the baseline if you're thinking of GI. So you'll see Three general ratings with GI diets. So a food is either going to be low, so 55 or fewer GI, medium, 56 to about 69, um, or high, 70 plus, hopefully not more than 100, (laughs) Um, if you're drinking pure glucose. So something that I quite like about the low GI uh, diet is that it's quite a simple system um, in that it's, you know, it's divided into three low, medium, high, you focus on uh, your lower foods and you reduce the foods that are quite high GI. Um, So it's an easy way to educate about carbs and sugars and things like that, which often can be quite a challenge in the context of, um, you know, when you're trying to re-educate yourself about nutrition and food inevitably along a weight loss journey. Um, It also naturally focuses on eating more high fiber foods, which we know are really important for sustenance and gut health and often come with a lot of added nutrition. So that's never a bad thing. Um, Naturally, as we said, higher fiber foods will um, be more slowly digested and reduce blood sugar spikes, all of those positive things. Also, in general, um, I do find when we're talking about a low GI, we tend to often discuss protein and fat. Um, Usually it is in the context of, you know, adding protein or fat to again reduce the overall GI of a meal. But it's still, I still like the fact that we're bringing in discussions about other micronutrients. I still like the fact that we're still bringing in that discussion about other macronutrients. So I think that's quite valuable. It also has a little bit of education on certain cooking methods because those affect the GI. So for example, if you're um, boiling something versus if you're roasting something because the roasting will have fat or, you know, if you cook pasta and then cool it, often it'll change the type of starch. So it'll be lower GI, things like that. So those are all good, you know, bits of education. It tends to focus on lower processed foods, things like that. So I can't fault that. That's good long-term education. (laughs) It makes sense, actually. Um, Actually, it's almost 
when we tell people how to eat healthily, like what healthier choices, this sort of just falls in line with that sort of common advice, doesn't it, for choosing whole grains and choosing certain types of fruits and vegetables and things that, um, yeah, might just be the better option. So it kind of makes sense. Definitely. It's almost just a different language for the same thing, essentially. It's kind of, you know, talking about those important nutritional principles, but using the language of GI. Now, with that said, there are a few little bugbears, not a lot. So even though it does bring in protein and fat in the context of reducing the overall GI um, of the meal, as a nutrition education tool, it doesn't necessarily provide a complete nutritional picture. It is very, very focused on your carbohydrates and everything around those. So, you know, you're not going to be getting a great education on the role of protein and fat and definitely not on kind of micro nutrients and things like that. So I'd like to see a little bit of more of that. <laughs> and also, I think another aspect is that in terms of the studies that have, you know, been measuring the GI of these certain foods, it's only looking at foods in isolation. So it's only looking at the effect of a particular food on blood sugar. So it's not taking into account all of the other nutrients that might be encapsulated in that food, be it protein, fat, fiber, vitamin C, vitamin D, which we know when we're eating the food as a whole is going to have a completely different effect on our overall digestion and things. So it's not really giving that complete picture. But for weight loss, you don't always need that complete picture to achieve weight loss. So I think for me, if I was to give this a rating, I'd probably give it a good four, you know, for weight loss. It can be really effective. It's simple. And often carbs do tend to be one of the bigger issues for, for people who are trying to lose a bit of weight. It's rare that it's someone that's eating too much protein. So I think that can be helpful. I don't know what you think. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah, I think you've made loads of um, really interesting points there. Um, and I do think it can, it can be a good option. As you say, I think it's educating on the right types of carbs or, or the best types of carbs to choose um, and can just really help with blood sugar control, which is quite an issue for, for a lot of people. Um, so, yeah. It's one to try. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. So on to quite a popular celebrity diet, actually. I would love to hear about the cert food diet because this is something I just see all over the headlines. Yeah, so this is quite a new one. Um, I don't think not, not everyone's necessarily heard of this. So yeah, the cert foods diet. So to give an overview of, of what it is, um, it's basically a diet where you're recommended to eat um, so-called cert foods. And what they are are foods that are believed to activate a group of proteins called sirtuins. And they they are thought to have a role in things like our cell health, um, reducing inflammation, just longevity. So um, it's believed that it can help sort of ward off um, <laughs> disease in some cases, if you're eating a diet that's really rich in these cert foods. So just a a little example of what these might be. So it's things like green tea, apples, citrus fruits, kale coming up again, blueberries, red wine and dark chocolate are also on there. And what the diet recommends is 
initially for the first three days, it says to cut your calories down to a thousand calories a day and drink just um, these cert food juices. And then after that, you'd go up to 1500 calories and have three meals that are very, very based around these cert foods. And then um, also one of these special juices alongside that ongoing. Um, And that's supposed to help you lose weight, but also just be a healthier sort of um, approach in in the view of the people that created this diet. So to discuss some of the potential pros of a diet like this, in the main, the the foods that are actually recommended are foods that generally fall on the healthy eating list. Um, So they are nutritious and they they can be um, and should be part of a healthy, balanced diet. There has been evidence of some weight loss with these types of diets, but I think it's important to be mindful that they're also Um, recommending a calorie restriction. So chances are that's probably why you're seeing this weight loss, not necessarily specifically because of the foods within it, but it could be used as an effective weight loss tool. And it doesn't actually ban any foods. So the cert food diet is very much about promoting these particular, eating more of these certain foods, basing your meals around them, but it's not saying that anything is specifically forbidden. So I think that's important. And I and I, I think any diet that does sort of forbid specific foods is not necessarily sustainable. So that's that's a plus. We go on to some of some of the potential downsides. So this diet isn't actually based on really strong evidence. So I think it's really important to mention that there isn't really some reliable evidence that these cert foods actually do what that claim to do. Um, we're still learning a lot about these sirtuins and how they work or whether foods can affect the levels in our body. So I think take it potentially with a pinch of salt, um, that whether these that particular style of eating is actually sort of beneficial in the health sense. It could be if you take to the diet very seriously so and you very much try to stick to only the listed cert foods then it could end up being restrictive and that's that's not ideal so if you start just trying to only eat those kinds of foods so it depends how it would be approached I think for me. The other thing to note is that foods like dark chocolate red wine are recommended on the list which obviously makes everyone really happy Um, but just being mindful that with those foods, we have seen some potential benefits with small intakes. But I think if you're thinking, oh, this is a food on the list, so I'm just going to have loads of dark chocolate tonight because that's surely a good thing, it, that won't be. And that will potentially lead to a calorie surplus. And of course, we know drinking too much alcohol is not beneficial to health. So I think just being mindful of how you sort of interpret this diet and the foods that are recommended. So I think if I had to rate it as a weight loss diet... I think I'd have to score it a lower sort of two to three because I do feel that it's the actual diet itself isn't necessarily the actual foods recommended is not necessarily the reason that you're seeing weight loss. Um, So it can be effective for weight loss, but so can just a calorie reduction where you include some of these foods, but also just eat plenty of other foods as well. So I think that in its own right is not necessarily the most effective tool. Um, if that's fair to say. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. 
Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Are you ready for heart-stopping, toe-tingling, coma-inducing levels of drama and romance? Okay, great. Well, you can find it all included with Prime Video. Check out Expat starring Nicole Kidman, The Idea of You starring Anne Hathaway, and the history-bending romanticy My Lady Jane, which will leave you speechless forever. Or till the end of the episode. Find your happy place. Prime Video. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. No, 100%. So another diet that we hear a lot about um, in the context of weight loss, and I know this is something that you focus a lot on, is the macro diet. So not to be mistaken with the macrobiotic diet, but rather the diet that focuses on your macronutrients. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about that one? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, as you say, um, the macro diet is, again, it's a bit of one of those broader ones because it's... um, it's about focusing on the macronutrient breakdown in your diet. So your macronutrients are carbs, fat, protein. They're the nutrients that we need a lot of because they provide us with energy. Um, And so this diet is all about breaking down your sort of intakes of those nutrients. And so whether you choose to kind of goes back to the higher protein, lower carb, you might choose to have more protein, less carbs, less fat, for example. Um, and it's just about finding um, an, an approach and a balance that works well for you and your goal. Um, you'll find this one probably talked about a lot in on the gym scene. You know, people, if they're trying to gain muscle um, while also losing weight, you know, there's a lot of talk about hitting, hitting my macros. Um, so um, that's where it tends to be quite popular. Um, and yeah, I think this is a, it's a good one in terms of it's quite, flexible it's quite um you know you can tailor it to your individual needs so we always say not everyone is the same you know if you're someone who knows that you thrive off more carbs then you can choose to sort of set out your diet focusing on your macros in that sense as i said earlier having a bit more protein can be quite helpful for weight loss so um if your goal is weight loss then you might be, might choose to have hit a higher protein um, macro, a little bit less carbs, a little bit less fat. Um, so it's just how you manipulate those to to sort of fit with your individual goal. And I do think it's a flexible diet um, in that way. And it can be helpful in sort of setting your macros at certain levels can help with actually sticking to a reduced calorie intake in some instances. So um, it can be quite an effective tool um, for weight loss if you strike the right, right balance. It's really important to mention, though, that 
calories are still important. So I think this is where we kind of move into the potential downsides is if you're just focusing on the macros and not necessarily looking at the overall balance of the diet. It's it's important that you're still striking that that right balance if your goal is to lose weight. So that you're setting your macros um, within the right sort of levels, not just looking at the percentage breakdown, but the actual levels so that you're looking at the total calories as well. I think with any diet like this where you're um, setting very specific goals, so if you're saying I need to eat X amount of grams of carbs each day or protein, it can become a little bit obsessive in some ways. So I think it's important to be mindful if you're someone that might struggle with that a little bit, that it might create unhealthy behaviours. This is one that is quite prescriptive if you're trying to hit specific numbers. So I feel like it might not be the best approach if you feel like you might get drawn into some sort of obsessive or some some sort of disordered eat, um, let's say. And also... It doesn't necessarily um, focus on other elements of the diet, so things like your five a day or your micronutrients, so things like calcium and things like that. This is very much focused around those larger numbers, but it's important not to lose sight of those other areas of your diet that are important as well and making the right choices within those macros. So it's one thing to say, I'm going to hit this number of protein, but where's that protein coming from? Is it is it the most, um, is it the healthiest choice? And the same with the carbs, for example, as well, and not forgetting about things like fibre, um, potentially. So I think all in all, it's quite flexible. And if we're going on a rating, <laughs> I feel like I'm a broken record here because I keep saying they're quite hard to rate, but this really totally depends on how you're using this diet again and how you're splitting your macros. So it could be really effective. Um, It could be sort of a four or five if you're hitting them right, but it could be on the lower end. So I'm going to give it a middle of the road three or four (laughs) Um, because it really does depend how how you use it. So the (laughs) onto a slightly controversial one, um, the apple cider vinegar diet. So Again, I feel like this has been around for years. Um, I feel like I was hearing about this back when I was in uni or maybe even in school. And I was thinking, oh, where can I get my hands in a bottle of this vinegar (laughs) as I have my chocolate cake in my other hand? So for anyone who hasn't heard of the apple cider vinegar diet, sometimes called the ACV apple cider vinegar diet, advocates taking one to two tablespoons of apple cider vinegar mixed with water per day to achieve a potential weight loss benefit. As we spoke about in our previous episode around kind of weight loss boosting supplements, the idea being that the addition of this um, vinegar to your diet can support your metabolism, boost your metabolism even. The apple cider vinegar should absolutely be mixed with water and it should be spread out um, over a 24-hour period, ideally consuming most of it before meals. It does seem to be that the type of vinegar matters. So you definitely want to get something that's quite unprocessed that still contains um, the mother and has a good level of acetic acid. So when we're looking at the research around that, those elements seem to be quite important. In terms of what I think about this weight loss, so I think for people potentially struggling with 
digestive issues that might be affecting their ability to lose weight. You could definitely have some indirect knock-on effect, you know, consuming a little bit of vinegar that has some of that acetic acid can help get those digestive juices flowing and can support more efficient digestion. That is definitely a benefit. I'm I'm stretching here. <laughs> um, so I think potentially, you know, including something like your, your vinegar can have a positive effect on your digestion. In terms of direct weight loss, for me, the research was not convincing that it was anything much more than a placebo. So in the context of weight loss, I think, you know, it's it's not really going to move the marker that much. I guess in theory, the idea being that you would probably take this apple cider vinegar alongside a healthier diet as well. But how much of an effect is it going to have over and above just doing that healthy diet in and of itself? I don't think so. So I guess one of the main cons being I'm not convinced that it actually has a direct effect on weight loss. I also think it, you know, it's kind of getting you into an unhealthy mindset in in the way of this idea of there's this bottle of magic potion that um, can miraculously help with everything. I do think there's benefits to a placebo effect. And again, I could see how in the early days of maybe adding something like um, apple cider vinegar, you could feel like you're losing weight or you could potentially lose a lot of water weight or reduce bloating because it is going to help with digestion there, particularly if you have low stomach acid levels and you bloat out a lot. It'll really help with kind of breaking down some of those foods. But it's it's not something that I would I would recommend. You know, you have to be careful with drinking a ton of straight vinegar. You could cause ero- or you could cause tooth erosion. Um, you could irritate your stomach. I think you have to be quite careful with that. So something to have on your shelf and add to salads and you know enjoy occasionally absolutely again get the get the unprocessed stuff because that has the mother and the acetic acid which we which definitely have the health benefits but in terms of supporting weight loss I mean I think I'd give this almost can I give it zero (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, is that okay interesting to that this um, one thing has its own diet, so to speak, when there is no mention of any other elements of your diet. And so it does go back to this idea that this one thing can do something that significant. Um, yeah, so it's it's a bit worrying, really. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I definitely think it's very important to look at your diet as a whole and yes, as we say, you might include this as part of your diet and have it on salads and things like that. But actually only focusing on getting your um, teaspoon of apple cider vinegar before every meal um, probably isn't going to make a significant difference to your weight. Yeah, definitely. I think, again, in the context of someone who really feels very full after meals and, you know, sometimes you eat a meal and you just feel like, oh, that has not digested, then definitely adding a little bit of uh, vinegar or even raw greens and things like that beforehand can can be beneficial. Um, then again, you want to be careful with too much because uh, that's probably not... Your dentist wouldn't appreciate me yeah, saying exactly. that. <laughs> um, so, 
Yeah, I, yeah. Think that's, <laughs> I think that's how we feel about apple cider vinegar. So the next diet I wanted to ask you about is definitely something that comes up a lot for weight loss. It almost seems like a bit of a movement sometimes. So what do you think about the paleo diet for weight loss? Yeah, so this is an interesting one. And it is interesting that you say it has got this strong association with being this sort of weight loss approach. When actually sort of when it came about, it was very much about the health benefits or the belief belief that we were meant to eat in this way. So going back to exactly what the paleo diet is, so basically advocates of this suggest that we should eat um, how our ancestors ate during the Paleolithic era. So back when we were hunter-gatherers and all we could get was food that we could pick or forage or um, kill if if it was an animal. Um, so it's very much about fresh fruits and vegetables, whole nuts and seeds or grass-fed meat, for example. And it's really cutting out any sort of processed food, but it also means um, so dairy and sugars are very much sort of any um, added sugars, for example. Um, but also things like pulses um, and grains are not recommended on this diet because it was believed that they weren't really available to us at that time. Um, so that's the general crux of it. And it believes that we that this is the best way to eat for our digestive system because um, advocates say that our digestive system hasn't evolved much from that time and so we should be eating the diet that we were used to back then which is an interesting thought because I I kind of think well just because that was the only diet available to us at that time does that necessarily mean that it was the only one suitable for us and you know we, we have evolved and adapted and I think we know that the addition of some of the foods that we eat now is is great. So not to jump straight into the cons, but <laughs> um, I guess a good element of this diet would be that it is promoting really sort of natural, whole, unprocessed foods, which we all should aim to eat more of. Definitely the things that it suggests eating are good choices. And I think it will all move a bit more to that sort of unprocessed foods it is definitely a good choice. And we do tend to see that people do lose weight on it. Again, probably because it's quite a restrictive diet and you are cutting out some of those foods that, that can cause you to eat um, too many calories, for example. So you could have some success with it in that way. Some of the cons, though, I think it kind of similar to the cert food diet and there's not strong evidence that we do need to eat in this way. Um, and I think suggesting that we don't eat any pulses and things is is a bit of an alarm bell to me because we know that they're really, really nutritious foods. Um, we know that they're a great source of plant proteins, fiber, lots of other minerals and nutrients and are just a great addition to our diet. Um, so cutting them out is a bit of a concern. And the same with not having any dairy, for example, then we know that we could be missing out on calcium. So it's where you're going to get that elsewhere in your diet. And another just concern is how realistic is it in our modern world? It's setting those diets that are really quite hard to achieve in the long term and unsustainable because we don't live in that world anymore. We live in a very, very different one. And there's much more food and available to us and um, our busy lives. We don't just spend our days hunting for food. We we spend them doing lots of other things and food is just available. So I think it's not necessarily a realistic or sustainable way um, to approach things. And um, so it can be quite tough. Um, so tough one again with the rating. I think it probably would be 
it can be effective for weight loss because it's fairly restrictive and it's suggesting just really, really whole unprocessed foods. But it's not necessarily based on really strong evidence that we need to eat in that way. And there are other ways to lose weight in a more sort of manageable way. So I'm going to give it a sort of two. <laughs> <laughs> Emma is not a fan of the paleo diet. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, not, not a strong vote from me. I don't know if you feel any differently. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think... I think you could do a lot worse than the paleo diet when it comes to weight loss. You know, it is very much centered around whole unprocessed foods largely. I think the tricky bit um, is, I don't want to say the, the philosophy, but more so I think the the mentality that I've experienced around the, the paleo diet in that seem in my experience it seems to be something that you're either in or you're not and I think because weight loss is one of those things that um you know there's a lot of psychological and emotive aspects you know even more so than the than the physical aspect of food when it comes to sustainable long-term weight loss Anything that, you know, comes with this mentality of you either do it 100% or you're out, you're doing it wrong. I don't love that. I think it can add a lot of stress. I think it can put a lot of pressure on, you know, social situations. It can be quite isolating. But again, if we're just purely talking about diet and taking the the human out of it, I think you could probably do a lot worse. But... Um, yeah, <laughs> I think an interesting point, actually, which I didn't mention is that the paleo, it kind of started in the way I've described it, but actually there are different versions of it now yeah. and some do allow pulses or dairy. Um, so I think that that isn't really set. So it kind of depends which one you go with um, into like how restrictive it is, I guess. <laughs> so from paleo into uh, detox. Uh, so detox diets are something I think that's, you know, very, very popular in the media. Um, and I love the idea of a, a detox. <laughs> I think it sounds just, there's something about that word that just sounds so, you know, lovely and I'm I'm meditating and feeling amazing all the time. So a typical detox diet tends to involve a period of fasting followed by um, a strict diet of usually kind of fruits, vegetables, fruit juices, things like juice cleanses would fall into the the detox realm. Um, Sometimes they're called a detox cleanse as opposed to a detox diet. Also, often detox diets might include certain supplements or certain herbal teas, uh, certain um, kind of rituals like things like colon cleanses or enemas or or things like that. The general idea being that you follow this routine for a short period of time and it's designed to eliminate toxins in your body and basically make you feel amazing, which sounds brilliant. So I guess in terms of the, the pros, there definitely are some pros to this diet. I think in a perfect world, we'd all eat balanced all of the time, but, and, you know, not have any sort of issues with, you know, feeling sluggish or feeling exhausted and, and things like that. And so never need 
to go on any sort of detox approach at all. I think that's lovely. In reality, that's usually not the case. I think we go through periods where sometimes we might drink a little bit too much alcohol, have a few too many takeaways, maybe eat a little bit too much chocolate and not feel very good in ourselves. So sure, if we then kind of went from a period of eating really heavy foods to maybe a few days of focusing on fresh fruits and vegetables and soups and salads and things, probably we would feel quite good. Um, Our body would appreciate the nutrients and the fiber. I think um, that wouldn't be the worst thing. In the context of detox diets, the way they're advertised, I don't necessarily agree with some of the reported benefits that that come along with with detox diets. I don't agree with the the extremities of of certain detox diets. You know, you don't necessarily need to just go on a juice cleanse. You know, you can, as I say, just have a few days where you're focusing more on fresh fruits and vegetables and maybe less on, you know, carbs and and saturated fats or something like that. And I think you can you can feel well. In the context of clinical ailments, I think there can be some roles, but in the context of weight loss, I think I just don't think it's the right approach. It's it's so short term. If you do, you probably will experience weight loss because it's quite extreme and restrictive. You're not going to maintain it because the the format or the routine of most of these detox diets is not something that's attainable long term. And it's so different from what you're normally doing. I know a lot of people sometimes will say, start a weight loss journey with a detox diet. If anything, I think if you're going to include a detox diet in your weight loss journey, I'd almost finish it. So learn the principles of long-term sustainable weight loss. And then if you want to do a few days where you're focusing on soups and salads and things like that, as long as you're eating enough calories, it could be great. I don't think it's a great place to to start. So for that reason, I think specifically for weight loss, I'd give it a better one. Fair, fair. Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> also, I can see you not, nodding. No, yeah. <laughs> not a fan of uh, the... Di- yeah. I think they can be quite misconstrued as well. So I think the way you were saying that, yeah, if you used it to just eat more of the good stuff and still have a healthy calorie intake, then absolutely. But often these tend to be actually very extreme approaches where you're actually taking in minimal energy for a period of time. Um, And that's just not, it's like a quick fix, isn't it? Or seen as that quick fix. It's very much seen as a temporary thing, which just is not necessarily the best approach for like long-term success. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm there with you on scoring it sort of as an unnecessary weight loss tool. So we'll give it a one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So we're at the end of our time. But before we go, I did just want to throw in the Mediterranean diet very quickly because I feel like, I mean, spoiler alert, this is one that I quite like, but I feel like this is a really good example of some of those principles that we've been talking about. So for anyone that isn't familiar with the Mediterranean diet, it's essentially a way of eating that was originally based on the traditional cuisines of Greece and Italy and other countries that border the Mediterranean Sea, hence the name. It includes a lot of nourishing foods like whole grains, fruits, vegetables, fish, legumes, nuts, all of the good stuff that we've we've been talking about. And I think something that 
I really like and I know a lot of practitioners often will will say that is a positive of the diet is that it doesn't have a lot of restrictions. So it's really talking more about the kind of stuff you should eat more of as opposed to really focusing on restrict this, eliminate this. It's saying, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables are great. So include lots of those. Um, Reduce things that are highly processed like sugar and refined carbs and oil. Um, It also talks about food in the context of lifestyle. So it also suggests that you should get more physical activity, um, reduce your stress levels. It even mentions social interactions, so the importance of sharing meals with others or preparing meals as a community, which is something that I I really like because I think particularly for long-term weight loss, you have to put these dietary principles in the context of lifestyle because you can't you you can't separate those two things long term. They're too interconnected. I love the fact that, you know, there's lots of things that we'd be told are a no-no, like red wine or coffee that we can include in this diet in, you know, in a moderate way. But again, by not restricting it, you kind of can enjoy it, hopefully, without going overboard. In terms, to be fair, I'm trying to think of some cons for this. So I don't personally have many cons for the Mediterranean diet. I think it's a really good template for kind of a healthy lifestyle. I think it's very easily adaptable. I think it's easily adapted. So whether you're dairy free or vegan or, you know, if there's if you don't eat um, red meat or something like that, you know, there's lots of things that you can adjust and still have quite a, a nourishing overall effect. And so I think you can make these principles work for you in in a general sense in a lot of ways. Maybe for someone who really loves the numbers, the Mediterranean diet would probably be a nightmare. (laughs) So if you do really love your macros and knowing your calories and knowing how much of this to eat at what time, probably stay away from the Mediterranean diet because it is not like that at all. But if you're someone that's really looking for a re-education in terms of how to live a life that can not only support weight loss, but support my health, then I don't think it's it's the worst thing in the world. So in terms of a rating for weight loss, if it was just for health, five. But in terms of weight loss, because in theory, you know, if you do struggle with portions or, you know, you need a little bit of guidance in that area, it doesn't provide it. I would probably give it like a three to four just for for that specific reason, because, you know, if you're still eating way too big of portions, that's not going to help you. But yeah, I don't know what you think in terms of in terms of weight loss. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, I felt like my scoring was the same because, yeah, as you say, it's a very, very healthy choice. There's no doubt about that. And naturally, you'd probably eat um, within uh, eat and lose weight on that sort of diet if um, you were eating a very different way be- beforehand. But um, it does come back to that sort of broken record thing of <laughs> weight loss very much is about a calorie deficit. So y- you still need to have that within that diet. Um, so it's just, it will be most effective if you're also aware of how much you're eating um, too. So that all depends. Definitely. So 
we've come to the end of our time. I hope for everyone listening, that was a good run through or breakdown of some of the most popular diets that we see in the context of, of this weight loss discussion. I do want to mention for anyone listening that I'm aware we didn't touch on fasting and the ketogenic diet, which are also really popular approaches to weight loss. Reason being is that we have covered those two topics in full episodes in our January series. So you can go back and listen to those episodes if you would like. Thank you so much again for being here, Emma. I just absolutely love these discussions and um, it's just a pleasure as always. For anyone that would like to find out more about Emma and NutriCheck, you can find all of the links on our podcast page on bbcgoodfood.com forward slash podcasts. As mentioned, this was part two of a two-part weight loss episode. So if you enjoyed listening, don't forget to tune in to part one where we discussed the top weight loss myths and what we'd actually advise for healthy weight loss. Thanks, Emma. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the BBC Good Food Podcast. Join us on Thursday for our bonus cook-along recipe. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode.